from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 873, When Does Multicloud Make Sense? with guest Fumala Schmidt. Recorded Thursday, February 16th, 2023. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Hi, this is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Bringing back one of my favorites today, Fulman Schmidt is a senior cloud architect for Vancouver, formerly with Microsoft but also has lots of experience in systems engineering and architecture roles, building and maintaining systems, including exchange, collaboration technologies, virtualization, storage, and backup. And I think you're still the exchange goddess on Twitter, aren't you? Oh, yes. I will never, ever give that up. Uh, it it's is, the best it is, name. It's, it's me, exchange <laughs> goddess, because exchange, by the way, Schmidt, Exchange, when you think about it, it's more than a technology, right? It's exchanging ideas, it's exchanging go. passion. Yeah. Exchange so, goddess. Separated from the product, the product per se. Although you've run some exchange servers, I've run some exchange servers. We know the pain. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a classic. It's just. Yes, um, I'm, I'm happy to be back. I'm, I'm really <laughs> glad uh, that you asked me to come back. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was great. No, yeah, it's all fun. Uh, this whole topic of multi-cloud is interesting to me because it, it just seems like we've been talking about it for years, but I've, I don't see a lot of really great case studies of why you would want multiple clouds in your life. What do you see? Well, um, like in our, in our pre-show talk, we mm-hmm. mentioned it's sort of like a porn topic, right? <laughs> Nobody really wants to talk about it. Yes. We're just kind of watching from the window. But really... Multi-cloud? We're already there, people. Yeah. Come on. Like, and I like to say it is unintentionally multi-cloud. Yeah, right, right. Versus right. intentional multi-cloud, right? Unintentionally, the majority of organizations are already multi-cloud. But then we have to step back a few steps mm. and define what does multi-cloud mean to you as an organization? Actually, what does cloud mean to you? Because I've had this conversation with so many people in the industry. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they'll say, oh, well, you're not really multi-cloud because you're including SaaS. Whoa, 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 wait a minute here. So you're saying SaaS is not cloud? Oh, yeah, yeah, not, not in this context. I'm like, no, 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 no. To me, my definition of cloud includes SaaS, SaaS, or IaaS, right? Sure. So. It, it, I look at it as most organizations, if you include all those three, right, IAS, PAS, and SAS, most organizations are already unintentionally multi-cloud. Sure. Like if you're using M365 and Salesforce, you're multi-cloud. Yeah. Oh, totally. Now, when you add some more color to this, add some more flavor from an IAS perspective, mm-hmm. yes. If you're not, if you're only focused on one particular cloud provider, you know, and you decide to throw in another one, like let's say you're AWS and you decide to to throw in Azure IaaS or or GCP, yes, that that could be 
um, you know, no, you're not multi-cloud because you're only focused on a particular uh, subset of a cloud function. Yeah, am, I, am I only multi-cloud because I'm running virtual machines in more than one provider? Oh, you're not, right? You're, you're not multi-cloud because you're only using one cloud provider from an IaaS function. Right, for virtual machines. Yeah, if their definition of multi-cloud is IaaS. I mean, yeah, I see the point there because... Well, I guess the question is, why are you being multi-cloud? Is it just because you bought a product where it is or because you're actually building out a given workload across more than one cloud? So here's another thing I'm going to throw at you, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have a workload that's distributed across cloud, right? yeah, that's multi-cloud. Definitely. But then others have been throwing out the term super cloud, super cloud. And I'm just like, what? Super cloud? <laughs> yeah. We're just, we're just going to throw, you know, more buzzwords into this. I'm not a fan of super cloud because one, we haven't even figured out what multi-cloud means to each of us. So throwing the word super cloud, it just confuses everyone. Well, it's, it's cheating just to make up another term. <laughs> really? I'm not going to name people, but yes, yeah, super cloud has been thrown out there. All right. But but the the idea of creating, again, a workload that is portable across multiple clouds that, that that's multi-cloud that that that's you know that's multi-cloud right uh there's also the concept of polycloud right polycloud polycloud so polycloud uh is where you have multiple cloud providers but they're standalone they're not connected right okay there's no real the, the, your workload is not distributed across each of those individual workloads clouds so you're using them for specific tactical uses and i'm going to credit gardner for this one okay and, and, and i guess that makes sense I, I'm, I'm going to give him some credit i'm going to give him some credit there right because you're you you, you have multiple clouds but it's poly it's not actually multiple because your workload is siloed into one particular cloud provider even though your organization has multiple clouds for for specific purposes right Right now, now, now we just threw a whole new, you know, buzzword concept, and people are going to be like, "What the heck is polycloud and multi-cloud?" Right? No, I I appreciate the distinction there between multi-cloud and polycloud. The polycloud is, I am buying the best service from a given provider for me, uh, you know, based on what what I'm doing there. So, hey, I I like it three sixty five, so that's where I'm in Azure. Uh, I really value. Uh, the pricing of S3, so I'm storing files with AWS uh, on S3. Yes. I, I think that Cosmos DB solves certain problems for me, so I'm going to pay for that. Like they, they I can see PolyCloud as the in the platform level as, as well, but the main distinction being, yes, I work in more than one club, but no, the workload's not distributed across multiple clouds. Yes, it's fit for purpose. Right. You know, you're, you're looking, you're actually looking at it from a workload, from a use case perspective, mm -hmm. rather than uh, it, uh, it defined for the policies or, or, you know, I won't say strategy, but rather than mandate of you must use this particular cloud. Now you're looking at it's okay. I'm going to look at my. It's use case driven. Yeah. It's your. It's workload driven. It also seems kind of silly to say, "Hey, we're only going to use one cloud provider too." You know. They, they, yes. Oh, to totally. Because we know that's not realistic. Yeah. That, that, that's beyond. That that's not realistic, because there's certain things that just don't run very well in AWS, 
There are certain things that don't run well in Azure mm-hmm. and vice versa. There's things that run really great in Azure, like Windows workloads. Yeah. I mean, they, come on, Microsoft, Windows, it's kind of a natural, you know, there's natural affinity there. Y- you would think. Yeah. <laughs> or e- email, collaboration services, right? Right. You run the one year exchange um, in Azure, but don't please don't run the exchange servers in Azure. No. Go to Office 365, right? Yeah. There's an affinity to that. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say anything bad about Gmail or anything because, you know, it, it, it works for some organizations. But if you're running exchange, you're, the most natural progression would be Office 365. Not run the exchange servers in AWS. Like, that's where I will throw my exchange goddess hat on and start yelling at people. Yeah, 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 no question. But now we get into the meaty stuff, which I think is what most people are interested in when you talk about multi-cloud, which is I I, I don't trust any given cloud provider to provide me with service at the exact moment at every time, so I want to be able to fail over to another cloud or to be independent of a cloud. Yeah. Resiliency, yes. That is a complicated one, that portability, right? Mm-hmm. It really strikes me that you have to make such large compromises to be portable that you're undermining a lot of value in the cloud in the first place. Yes, you, you, right on. Mm-hmm. It, it, the whole resiliency aspect of it is very, very complicated. Because uh, now not only are you dealing with, okay, if I'm out of here, this other, you know, if I'm out of here, I'll be able to spin up over here on, on this provider. But then now you potentially have to deal with any type of data gravity issues yeah as well yeah add and, the at what to price add the cost to create to that and it, yes and i almost think it's kind of absurd There's a price for everything the, the cloud is more resilient than anything you can run yourself realistically you know i think you're just fooling mm-hmm. yourself to think you're going to improve the uptime of your app by using multi-cloud there are certain use cases that i think would be well suited in a true distributed workload across clouds. Mm-hmm. But this is my opinion only and not the opinion or the views of my current employer, Vanguard. Right. Uh, it's very few that could really use the benefits, true multi-cloud in the context of distributing that load across multiple cloud providers. Right, yeah. But the added complexity of certain applications, it's just not, it, it, it really... It's not worth it. Like, hence, for instance, email, right? No. Like, that. that's just ask any email administrator. So that's a great example because everybody's got it, but nobody considers the idea that I would want to implement multiple providers for my email services. Oh, it's, it's, it, it, this came up years ago for me as, you know, when I was an exchange administrator, years, years ago. Hmm. I always had CIOs asking me, and I'm like, no, no. No. <laughs> I'd walk away and go, no. <laughs> I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's just not worth it. It, it, it is not. Because email, it, it's there's so many complexities with it that it really is not worth the work, the labor, right. the, and the time, right? Because we're involving, you got to involve DNS with this, yeah. with your MX records. And DNS records, they don't change on a snap. No. That propagates through the internet. Anything that has to propagate through the internet from a change perspective, yes, you can put a TTL that's shorter. 
but re- let's be honest with ourselves, right? Let's be realistic. That TTL, mm, yeah, it doesn't work as fast as you really think it does. No, it never has. And and but it's and so the I mean it's faster. The old hey, you got to wait twenty four hours thing isn't true either. Uh, but you, it, the main thing is you cannot you cannot put a reliable SLA around a DNS change. No, maybe it'll be fifty minutes, might be an hour, might be three hours. Like it's internet, you don't have control over that. Whatever propagates is what it propagates. And that's and that's one of the big things with distributed workloads. We're dealing we're dealing with the internet. We're dealing with a lot of networking complexities. Right. Well, and, and hence I say, very few use cases would be ide- This would be an ideal environment for them. Otherwise, you really are throwing a lot of headaches into your architecture engineers. Like you would really have to run a cost benefit analysis to determine is it to determine is this worth it. Yeah, are you going to get anything from it? Versus having an outage for X amount of time. Yeah. Like, like it's one of those things where you do need to expect failure. Failure happens. That is part of yeah. running yeah. a business. That's that's part of running any type of technology. And so you, you do have to put a dollar figure on that loss. The, the internet's not five nines. Like, what are you hoping for? <laughs> there are some organizations that have high expectations right and because their customers have high, high expectations and and this is probably where i'm not going to fare well with lots of leaders out there but there is a level of failure that we must expect and, and even as customers we must expect some type of level of failure we want it to be 100 percent, a thousand percent all the time but there's maintenance windows things happen especially when you're interconnected this is the classic vp argument of it's always a vp who demands 100 percent uptime yes <laughs> it's always someone who's not going to implement it that has that wants to demand it well and, and i get it right I, I understand that because it's the customers we want to satisfy our customers we want to be there for our customers but at the same time the complexities that are involved in a lot of these applications. Yeah. It's out of our control. We we can control only so much. And then when you're dealing with the internet, there's so many unknowns. So there there is a level of failure that we need to account for. Yeah. And, and have to tolerate. It's just not realistic. Yeah, the, the the tolerance for it and, and factor that in mm-hmm. for a cost of running a business and and Saying okay, if we have a cloud provider for X Y Z service, there, you know, we need to expect that there's going to be a failure, and um, we we should have a plan from a redundancy standpoint. What do we do in that failure? Right? Do we just suck it up and deal with the loss, or yeah. is there a backup plan? And sometimes you can have a backup, right? And sometimes you can't. Let's say you, you want to mitigate it right away, but maybe. In that time it takes you to do that mitigation, you could already be up. And now you've already introduced additional complexities because now, like, let's say you have a split brain scenario going on because your your backup is, you know, running. That alternative plan you had right. starts to kick up, but then that service comes up at the same time. And now you're already on a path that you can't stop. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's where that complexity comes into play. And you go, hmm. Is that scenario worth it? Yeah. Or do we deem, okay, we have an outage. We could tolerate and, this. And how long, how, yeah, we could tolerate X amount of an outage. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe you factor in, we can tolerate eight hours. It's going to cost us X amount for this eight hours. 
if we go beyond X amount of hours, that's when we we go to our backup plan. Sure. You know, plan 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 B, right? Yeah. Or plan A. Like here, here's what happened. And then we basically cut off that tie of that original service for now. For now. And continue forward with, with this alternate plan because if you have things coming up and that you you've got to there's that go no go yeah i like that and fumal i'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message this episode of run as radio is brought to you by the humanitarian toolbox humanitarian toolbox builds open source software for disaster relief organizations one of the leading projects called two weeks ready helps individuals families and communities prepare for disasters using smartphones HDBox builds and operates this and other applications on behalf of a variety of disaster response organizations, and they need your help. Go to htbox.org for more information or to make a tax-deductible donation. HDBox is a 501c3 U.S. registered charity. Your donations help support the creation of this life-saving software. Thanks. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. That's Fumala Schmidt. And we're talking a little bit about, well, going multi-cloud and, and when this scenario makes sense. Like, now I feel like I've pulled up a disaster re- response spreadsheet. <laughs> and I'm fair, and I, and I, I have some sort of standard numbers on that, right? Cost of downtime per hour, cost of operations per hour, uh-huh. like those kinds of things. And, and, you know, I literally, this is a very familiar playbook for me. What's a cold failover looks like? What's a warm failure look like? What's a hot failure look like? And which you just described to me in the first half makes it very clear. No hot failovers. No, hey, we've moved because something. Because many, if I if I actually look, again, at the spreadsheet of outages of the major cloud providers, most of them are pretty short. Mm-hmm. A couple of hours at most. And most disaster transfer strategies take a while oh yeah so you you don't you don't want to respond that fast one would argue you're most of the time trying to move too quickly you don't understand the scope of the problem you don't know what the time delay actually is and you don't know the dimensions of what it you know hopefully you've done a strategic test of this and actually know how long it takes to move a workload and get up again yeah so back to the first half right yeah that that's a distributed workload or this, yeah, distribute the workload across cloud mm-hmm. in that context of multi-cloud. Like that, that is, it's got to be strategic. It's got to be intentional. And and there's got to be a lot of due diligence behind that. Yeah. Because it is so complex. But then we can talk about multi-cloud in general. Well, like how would you actually do this? The only part that really seems disturbing about this is the DR scenarios, the limiting downtime scenarios are the hard work. The, distri- the, dis- the distributed yeah. or running um, the uh, the high availability. I, I always go back to the exchange, right? Where you're running hot, yeah. um, across hot all your clouds. But not even hot failovers where you're, where you're running your load balance between. That again... Yeah, you're occurring overhead on every transaction during normal operational days in exchange for the insanely rare event of one of these services go down. But there are some applications that I would say deem appropriate where you're hot across all three right. or all four, whatever your priority However many you want, is, right? At least yeah. two. So you could you can run Q- Kubernetes across AWS, Azure, GCP, right? Yes, you can. There, 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 there are workloads that, that would deem appropriate for that. Yeah. The complexities, yes. Um, but again, you know, in that particular context, 
I would say limited use cases. Do your due diligence. Yeah. Now, this is where the where the cost per hour outage is high enough. I mean, it's I, I, it's got to be in the millions for what it's going to cost to operate all this infrastructure. Like it's as a pretty, it's going to be a pricey ticket. And if our outage times are that expensive, okay. But you know what? And that's where some of this new technology has come into play. You know, in the last few years, like Kubernetes, right? Right. You can run Kubernetes clusters across Azure GCP. And AWS. I mean, the technology is there. Yeah. We've got, mul- I'm going to say in air quotes, multi-cloud providers that can do that load balancing for you, that, that can, um, you know, monitor that traffic for you. It, it, there's there's a lot of vendors right now that, you know, they see this as a hot new space, rightfully so. It, it, it is. But there's also the polycloud, right? The individual cloud providers in your organization beyond one. Yeah. You still want to see what's going on on all those providers. You still have governance across, or you should, across those different providers. You, 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 you still need to be you know aware of what's going on, and you still need to stand up properly those individual providers. Sure. I mean, let's think about this. Let's say you are an Azure shop, right? And it, it's, it's got, you know, your Azure landing zone. It's got all the governance. It's, it's got everything. It's, it's, it's proper. It's secure. It's compliant. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you've got another group that throws up AWS, and they're just doing everything they want to do, right? It's just the <laughs> wild, wild west. They're shooting from the hip. Um, yeah, that's where you need to be intentional. And you need to go, okay, let's think about this. Do we want to make sure that any other additional cloud providers that come up Follow the same standards and governance as our strategic provider, right. that first cloud we put up. And yes, you most likely 99.9999%. Yes. Yeah. Any other cloud provider should have those same standards for the most part from a governance point of view as your other provider, right? That there should be an identity practice or mm-hmm. security that, you know, um, all, all those same uh, standards and policies should, for the most part, be across all your clouds. And that's where, you know, when you when you think multi-cloud, before you can do your stri- distributed workload, you've got to stand up these clouds properly, individually. Yes. So that's the work I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's just cool work, without a doubt, Fumala. Like, so to me, it sounds like you're not doing this for all your applications. You found an app where the outage costs are that high, so you're focused on one, you know, particular application, and you're going to make sure you have shared identity across the different uh, regions. I'm not even there. Yet. Rules like that. This sounds hard. <laughs> it, it it is. So multi multi cloud is hard, right? It just just talking about it is difficult. But before you can even say you're really true multi cloud, let's make sure that the cloud providers that we think we're multi cloud in are stood up right. Like you you can't run. Until you start crawling, right? right. Like, who, who starts running before they know how to crawl? So, in order to crawl, you've got to build up these proper uh, landing zones, Azure calls them landing zones. Yeah. You, you've got to have that proper framework built up in these individual clouds before you can even start talking about you know, distributing your workload across them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's make sure that you've got some standards and, and, and procedures and processes in place so that you can fully implement the services and, and you deploy these services in these individual individual clouds first. And I, and I don't see how you're doing this where you still don't have 
one of the clouds is the controller. And if that one's out, what's in the other clouds isn't going to matter. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Let's go back to our use case. Of, mm-hmm. Let's say I've got a workload. Let's say a website. Yeah. Right? Um, X website. And I want to make sure that my customer can access this at any time, regardless of whatever cloud provider it is. It has an outage. If there's right. a, it has an outage, right? So they're really, I'll go back to my exchange days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, where we've, we've got our, our cluster and our multiple databases. Uh, yes, you, you do sort of have a primary one, but if you have a load balancer, and that load balancer is really directing traffic yeah. to a particular cloud, you can set in theory. Okay, maybe you you set some type of rule, you're going to go to the closest cloud provider to your region, right. to your location for best performance. But it's going to be individual. It's going to be, this is where it's complex, right? Yeah. It's going to be individual to that internet traffic coming in. So not, it's not going to be one cloud provider. It's going to be specific as the primary. It's all going to be based off that incoming traffic of where they point it to. Yeah. So now we're back to the multiple DNS problem where you, so you have multiple DNS services you in, in the root servers, it actually points to multiple locations so that if one's out, you will fail over the other one automatically. And they are trying to keep up with each other. And you have, of course, synchronized data sets across the back plane, but you really are trying to, you're running multiple independent implementations of the website, presumably with synchronized data, there's going to be some latency, and then you have a complex distributed DNS infrastructure so that no if given instance being out takes out the other instances. All I like to say about this, it, it, it's, it, it, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Even before you go to the second cloud, I'm hoping you're running your site on multiple locations for a given cloud provider too. So there's so many steps uh, of getting uh, of increasing reliability before you add a second cloud there there's definitely four steps it's intentional you mm-hmm. have to be intentional about this yeah if, if you do it unintentional the unintentional multi-cloud that that happens naturally in, yes. in those businesses but to be that distributed workload that has to be intentional you've got to do your due diligence you've, you've got to do the homework behind it the math. Basically, you got to do the math behind it to, yeah. to see if it's feasible. Well, just hunting down all the single points of failure in a in a cloud architecture like this, when you, and then and you start to looking at how many failures do we have to have before this does this tips over, this doesn't work. But then you also have to look how long have the failures been? Yeah, and and how many again for all of this overhead for an hour long outage? Like it's it's hard to do the math on this. It's very difficult to do the math. It, it, it really is. And it, it comes down to a bit, honestly, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's always a business decision. No matter how, while yes, a technical decision, it's complex, it's hard. At the end of the day, we all know this is how the world works. Yeah. It's always going to be a business decision. Yeah. And and part, I mean, the number of times I was told, make this this service, this particular application 100% uptime in the good old, you know, web and SQL server days. And when I actually did the math that told them what kind of equipment we needed to order for it, for a hot failover solution, they're like, uh, you know, what's cheaper? It's like, I can get you to 99% for a tenth the money. This still feels like a warm failover. 
right? Like that. Yeah. So you could, that you're going to have, there is going to be a knock who sees the outage and decides to do the switch as opposed to a hot failover where it's got a detection routine, it switches and then notifies you it switches. But see that business decision, sometimes it's more than the dollar figure. Right. It's a perception of value. Yes. Perception of value uh, comes into play here big time. Especially if it's going to be splattered across a headline. Those are soft dollars that turn into hard dollars. Yeah. I mean, the great thing about this is you got a cloud provider. You have someone to blame. It's not your, you know. True. Very, very, very true. Very true. But at the end of the day, though, let, let's go back to this. It's still your data. Yeah. And your your service. Yeah. It, it's always about your data. Yep. It's always but because your customer is not going to go yelling at AWS or, or, or Azure or GCP when, out, when there's outage. They don't care. Yeah, they've got their hand around your throat in the end. They want to get to your website and make that order. Yeah, I just the the math here has gotten very narrow for a hot failover solution now. Not that it wasn't always narrow before the cloud, but this is even more narrow. Because the outages are super rare, the recovery times are pretty good, and the cost of trying to implement this hot solution now that you started outlining it, boy, it seems hard to justify. You know, now that you've outlined this whole picture, like the number of cases that this makes sense for seems very small. It's hard to justify. Yes, it, it is. That's why I kept saying the for a true distributed workload across multiple clouds, right. use cases are, are very, very small. Now use cases where you're using individual clouds uh, in your organization and you have multiple of them. Yes, there are tons of use cases that, that you could you could apply that to. No, no. I I think I'm I like polycloud. The polycloud phrase is good. When they when 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 the VP says we're multi-cloud, right? It's like, oh well we're polycloud. Which is to say we use more than one cloud provider, but only one pro- provider per given workload, which is good. True multi-cloud. Very, very specific use cases, yeah. and that that for that to work appropriately and to get the best to get value out of it. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just adding complexity. While we've got these new vendors coming up, right? That that are focusing on that. Yes. I don't see the technology to have that seamlessly uh, be played out. Not for another couple of years. But there's uh, there's clearly vendors trying to build this, and I've looked at a few. Yes, but yes, the yeah, but there are se- there are several, and they've got some great concepts. Like, and it, I love where they're going with this, right? Mm-hmm. But it is very much a moving target because, in the meantime, the cloud vendors are also building new things too. So it's always going to be a challenge. And the cloud vendors are getting the multi cloud themselves, right? Right. You know, L- look at Microsoft and and Arc. Yeah, y- you know they're they're. They're def- they they see where enterprises want to go. They see where customers want to go. It's getting that technology to that same spot. That's the catch right now. Yeah. And we're just not there yet. In a few years, I think we'll be there. We're ju- it, it takes time to build that technology, to build that knowledge, but also to build the actual real use cases for it. Yeah. Show show a competitive advantage because you were cross clouds. You know, mm-hmm. and that, but I and, and for it to work. Good. Yeah, that that the overhead to, for it to exist wasn't that high. It was maintainable. It didn't impede other workloads. Didn't impede, you know, other improvements. But then also took care of problems when when the rare case happened. All right. 
No. Yeah. I think you got I think you got me, Fumala. I like this. It's got me thinking clearly on it. It's spreadsheetable. Something I could take to the CFO. It, 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 and you know, it, it's a conversation that can go on and on sure. and on. It's like when it's like when cloud first came in, you know, into the world. Or actually we go back to virtualization. Yeah. And we all started talking about, you know, virtualizing our servers and oh my God, you know, it was so controversial. And then, then cloud came into play. That yeah. was controversial. Now we're like cloud's the norm, but now multi-cloud. Oh, wait a minute. So, you know, it, it's it's the evolution of technology. Yeah. That there's so much to talk and discuss uh, that, it, you know, it becomes the norm. Yeah. Decide where the value is. It's so great to have you back on the show. Thanks for coming on. Oh, I, I, this was this is great. I, I loved being on and, you know, hopefully I'll be back on again in the future again. Thank you for having me. You, you know you will. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.